everybody. It is episode 106, and you are listening to the Totally Corrupt Podcast. Today is January 14th, 2022, and today our guest is none other than the Joe Kent out of Washington State. He's running for U.S. Congress. And uh, we support him 100%. We got him here on the show today. So if you would like to participate, give us a call at 206-399-5063. Leave us a voicemail. Tell us what you think of the show or text us a link uh, of stories you think we should cover. Uh, You can follow us on Getter at Totally Corrupt. And of course, always give us a follow on Spotify. So with no further ado... Let's get this party started and get digs in the room. Here we go. This is Captain speaking. Captain. What's up? So, uh, got ourselves quite the guest this morning. About time we had a little change around town. It's like I think the first podcast we've actually done in the morning. Yeah, normally, normally it's a late <laughs> night show. It's our, our segment called Brett and Digs in the Morning. Are they going to judge me for drinking earlier? Oh, (laughs) hey, uh, no, seriously, we got a great guest today. Yeah, uh, Joe Kent uh, in the house. Uh, We are going to be giving him a call shortly. And um, uh, Diggler, why don't you just tell him a little bit bit about our friend here? I want to mind to recap. Meet Joe Kent, America's first Republican for Washington State's third congressional, congressional district. Joe Kent grew up in the Pacific Northwest and served for 20 years in the U.S. Special Forces on 11 combat tours. And as an advisor to President Trump, he's a gold star husband and the father of two children. He's determined to bring our America's first values back to Washington. He has a couple of key points. He wants to demand a congressional investigation into the 2020 general election. Also, oppose needless foreign interventions. I think that's good. Uh, Another one, vote 100% pro-life and pro-Second Amendment. Saving saving kids and protecting lives sounds good to me. Uh, The other one, eliminating the H-1B program and bad trade deals. Restore the Northwest timber industry and U.S. manufacturing. Yes. Mm, that'd be nice. That'd be so nice. Introduce an immigration moratorium. I pronounced that right this time. And then prosecute Antifa as the terrorists they are. Rather than... Uh, I think that's my favorite one. Rather than parents at uh, school board meetings. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, uh, to learn more about Joe and how you can help the campaign, go to www.joekentforcongress.com and help him out. Yeah, well, we're going to let him uh, help himself out here in just a second here. Um, You know, I met Joe um, by sheer randomness. Uh, Here's the story. Uh, We just had Amber Richardson on the podcast. She's running for uh, governor of Oregon. Uh, she turned me on to Joe. She goes, this guy's in your state, and uh, you need to get in touch with him. He's a uh, Trump-endorsed uh, uh, congressman or a, a 
Congress candidate uh, in the third district in Washington there. You need to uh, connect with him. And then, uh, lo and behold, uh, Joe was organizing a peaceful protest outside of the Department of Health um, just a couple days ago. Um, and that's where we met. I had to go down. And uh, I left. I drove all the way to Tumwater, Washington. We stood out in front of the Department of Health. There was about 250 people uh, that gathered on the corner there. And uh, we just made a day out of it. And it was a bunch of patriots that just got together in um, protest of these forced COVID uh, mandates, uh, specifically one that we all thought was rather scary. And the Supreme Court talked about that, too. Well, what we're talking about is what we broke on our podcast just mm-hmm. a couple ex- episodes ago about um, these strike forces coming in and force quarantining people. And uh, the Department of Health was supposed to be having a uh, meeting about that. And due to our protest, uh, derailed uh, their meeting agenda. And, uh, you know, the people gathering together uh, forced, uh, well, at least that little change. So big win for us, I think. And uh, I hung out with him all day, uh, eight hours, and got to know him pretty well. And the crowd, really. Um, and we're just grateful that he's uh, able to be on today and share his story because I think a lot of people are going to be blown away today. Uh, talking about those uh, forced forced quarantines, right? Uh, the funny thing is, I've been listening to the national news, and they uh, it's been out there a little bit, and all the national news is saying that it's a um, conspiracy theory. But then you go to the Washington State Legislature, and it says, Procedures for Isolation or Quarantine. One, at his or her sole discretion, a local health officer may issue an emergency detention order causing a person or group of persons to be immediately detained for purposes of isolations or quarantine in accordance with subsection 3 of this section, or may petition the Superior Court ex parte for an order to take part uh, order to take the person or group of persons into involuntary detention for purposes of isolations or quarantine in accordance of with subsection four. I like how there's a whole bunch of subsections. Right. Uh, where's my freedom here? Uh, of well, the section provided that he or she. How old were you in 1993? I was a junior in high school. That's when that bill passed. That that's that's actual law in Washington State, and it's an emergency um, um, use. But that shit exists in our, you know, laws here in the state. It's you know un- another, and they were they're thinking about enacting them. You know another law that's been passed that they have on the books, but they haven't used until this year. Basically, is the Patriot Act. Well, they use the Patriot Act every day. Well, <laughs> I, well, what I'm saying is that you can now. Um, basically involve citizens in state you can how many people how many how many people have been basically um censored script or whatever for the freedoms that they choose to 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 say your freedom of speech they're trying to ban it you don't think like us yeah that's not good you know what i mean yeah, I mean, how 
it's cancel culture. It's it's sick. It's the mass psychosis that uh, Rogan and uh, Robert Malone talked about. Uh, the, the the conversation that they spurred on the, the Rogan podcast is literally uh, incinerated the internet. Uh, there's so many people that I know that have been in the dark on therapeutics and what else is going on out there and the side effects to the vaccines and you know what could potentially happen you know to a person uh that's at risk you know i mean who should get it who shouldn't get it like they're trying to get the kids to take this shit now like it's i mean we don't even know the long-term effects on children and they want people to take this shit this mrna stuff the the inventor the the bill gates of you know the steve jobs of mrna technology says don't don't give it to kids you you know the the biggest thing so cancel culture has been huge. Cancel culture has been huge. Mm-hmm. But the one thing the Democrats have canceled the most, the well, biggest thing? What's that? Common sense. Yeah. Well, you know, that's a great segue uh, to get to our, our guest today. Uh, he is an American hero, uh, a, a retired U.S. Army uh, Green Beret, uh, again, running for the 3rd District in Washington State, uh, Candidate uh, for Congress, Joe Kent. Joe Kent. Hey, Joe. Good morning. Hey, man. How you doing? Good. Welcome to the Totally Corrupt Podcast. You are here with uh, me and Diggs, and we, d- we just wanted to uh, thank you for first of all coming on and uh, scheduling in short time. But uh, I know you're a busy guy. But, uh, yeah, man. <clears throat> no, I appreciate you coming out the other day. That was great. Yeah, Good we day. were we were just talking about that about the the protest and uh, you know these forced vaccinations and you know the <clears throat> biggest news uh, of of the week. I would arguably probably of the year so far is the Supreme Court's ruling. So we just thought we'd maybe just start there and see what what your sure. reaction was on that. Yeah, I mean that was um, overall. I think I really obviously a positive positive and good thing devil's in the details though i mean it seems like there can still be some uh federal overreach where the federal government can say hey if we're giving the business you know any kind of funds then we can mandate vaccines so i i would have preferred to see you know complete and total slap down but uh we'll take we'll take what we can get so overall it was good a little disappointed in uh in justice kavanaugh and roberts um but hey i'll take the win yeah, no, any victory we can get. And I think that was a big one. I mean, yeah. anything we can do. I mean, they, I mean, Biden's just falling apart. His poll numbers are the lowest they've ever been. Yeah. Build Back Better has is, is, is been incinerated, it's gone, you know, and now this. Uh, plus, yep. you know, I mean, Afghanistan, that's what really triggered me to get, you know, involved uh, uh, and the activists. I've never been to a, a political uh protest anything in my life until i came down to the health department uh oh, cool just the other day to come right su- come support you so I, th- I think what we did out there together uh was was loud so uh, maybe you could, maybe yeah. you can talk how you got that how you got wind of that how how you got that organized <laughs> yeah it's a it's a cool story um it, the Washington State Administrative Codes that we were out there protesting, I would, I would encourage everybody in your audience to look up themselves uh, because they're crazy. And when I when I just say this, you have no other frame of reference. 
um, they're basically stat or they're not statutes, they're administrative codes. So they're they're at the lowest, I guess, order of government decree. However, these Washington State administrative codes, specifically 246 dash 100 dash 040 and 070 both pertain to the, the health board being able to establish temporary quarantine facilities either in like you know old hotels they rent or um literally just grabbing lots and, and throwing trailers on them um but then there's one <clears throat> one of the clauses or one of the uh, admin codes says that basically the health department at their they have the sole discretion to dictate and tell law enforcement that they can go and force people into quarantine. So this is like, it sound when I say it, it sounds like I have a tinfoil hat on and I'm talking about the government rounding up people and putting them into camps um, until you read the code. And this is literally something that the health board um, have put on a meeting agenda. And now I, I, I fully understand that what comes out of the health boards doesn't automatically get enacted as some sort of a law or a decree in the next day. It's part of an advisory process. However, from my perspective, the government has no uh, reason to discuss these things whatsoever. Um, and they have no reason to discuss them whatsoever unless they're planning on doing them. They were considering it. I mean, they put it right. in their meeting agenda. I had a lot of folks um, that support my campaign or just happen to see me on social media, um, send me this type of stuff. And I got it from different sources. So at first I was like, there's no way this is this is real. Um, and so after a lot of myself and my campaign manager, Ozzy, who you met, we, we put in a good deal of uh, research effort. Um, and sure enough, turns out it was true. And so what I wanted to do was just provide a venue where we the people could gather um, and just make our voices heard. Because the problem is they they were going to have this meeting to discuss these Washington State Administrative Codes, and they're doing it all via Zoom. And so they would say, hey, if the public wants to tune in, you know, here's the Zoom link. And then you can send them a Zoom call and hope that they they call on you. They click on the little button that says that you get a chance to speak. They also provide an email address where you could submit public comment, yes. which is a total total cop out. Because I mean, I I'd be willing to wager that that email address, like that that email inbox, has probably never been opened. And can I be um, and can I be real with you? That's probably yeah. one of the boringest meetings ever. I was part of the redistricting uh, calls. Yeah, they were like six hours long, very dry. Yep. So. Yeah, by I mean, in my opinion, by design, you know, it's uh, if you if you want the public to disengage, then you you just bore them to death. Really, exactly. if, you, if you're going to talk about really polarizing and important issues, like I don't know, is the government going to start rounding people up and putting them into camps? Right. Um, then you know, you 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 uh, you make it seem super benign and boring. And that's what these committees do. They give them these like really you know normal sounding names like a health advisory board. Like what is that? Like okay, you, you would I, two years ago I wouldn't have thought anything about a health advisory board, but now you see the way the way things are going and the way the federal government, the state government has, you know, really overstepped their, their boundaries. Something else they were, they were discussing yesterday uh, or Wednesday was supposed to be requiring the vaccines uh, for school age kids, making the COVID-19 vaccine part of the required vaccines that, that kids get to enter school. They had discussed this, uh, this health advisory board had discussed this once before they did, and they did it right after Christmas. And it was kind of the same story. Some people sent it to me and I tuned into the Zoom. And like you said about the redistricting, it was boring. It was three hours of them talking about the, they, they really just discussed all their really obscure bylaws and they didn't get into the vaccines until the very end. Um, but the bottom line is they are considering it, making it a requirement in Washington state. So once we got wind of all this, um, we just put it out on social media. Uh, I had a chance to go on Bannon's War Room, which has a huge audience. Um, that was outstanding. Him, yeah. Yeah. Steve Bannon has been, he's been really good to me and he's been you know, a true leader in the America first cause. So just put it out that, Hey, we're going to go, 
we'll be out at the health board um, right when the meeting starts and we're going to stay until it ends. And the meeting, <laughs> the meeting was blocked off from nine until three. And, you know, it's, it's January here in, in Washington state. And so it was kind of a dreary, cold, uh, rainy morning and the rain, uh, let, let the rain subsided though pretty quick. So we got lucky, but I figured we were going to get like 20 or 30 people out there, especially, you know, it's Wednesday morning. Everybody's got to go to work. And, and right. but I was wrong, man. I got out there at eight 30 and I think we already had like probably around 70 people there. And then by the time the meeting kicked off, um, by like, I think by 10 o'clock we had, a, we had a head count of over 200 people that turned out in person. And then by the time we, they started the meeting, they agreed because of all the ruckus that we were the peaceful and patriotic ruckus that we were making outside exercising our first amendment rights. Um, they agreed to not discuss the, the two Washington state, you know, forced quarantine administrative codes. And then a big shout out too to everybody who, because all the people that, that were concerned, but couldn't make it to the health board, 7,500 of them tuned into the zoom and flooded the zoom call with comments against the two uh, administrative codes. And so we, I, I think we made a big difference. You know, we got the, we got them to not discuss it. I mean, we didn't, I don't want to oversell what we did. Um, we, de- we didn't get, we're derailing we uh, yes, this exactly. idea, idea. Yep. They should, like you said, they shouldn't yep. even be discussing this. And I was appalled to see that this was already in our uh, laws already. The, this, Crazy. It, it, this, yeah. this, this emergency thing came in in like 93 or something like that. So we were asleep then, but now we're, we're, we're awake now, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> we're not the wokesters walking around like the left, but you know, we're, yeah. we, we are, we're, our eyes are open. Our ears are open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. So you uh, are running for U S Congress and uh, you are an America first candidate. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that, your journey, and uh, what you stand for, where you're going with with your campaign? Yeah, so like you said, America first. Um, you know, I, I never intended on running for Congress. I mean, you said the other day was your your first event showing up uh, and getting politically active, and I, I've been at it now for about a year, so I am not a seasoned uh, political dude. I never thought I'd run for Congress, so I spent a little bit over 20 years in the military. Uh, I was a Green Beret, started out in Ranger Regiment. Um, Went to war, you know, a bunch of times because of the, the global war on terror that was hot and heavy. Then retired from the military right at the twenty-year mark. I really, um, you know, felt my calling was was fighting, fighting bad guys overseas. Um, and so I went right into a second career as a CIA paramilitary officer. Right after that, did that for about a year, and then almost three years ago, I kind of had my world turned upside down. Uh, my late wife, who was also in the military, was was killed fighting ISIS in Syria, um, and she was killed about a month after. Trump attempted to get our troops out of Syria the first time. So I think most people remember um, Trump tried to get our troops out of Syria. Secretary of Defense Mattis publicly resigns. Brett McGurk from the State Department publicly resigns. They make this big stink that Trump doesn't know what he's doing. Um, I, I had a completely different opinion on that because I had, you know, like I said, I spent a lot of time in the Middle East fighting these wars. And and Trump, to me, was the first guy who got it right. He understood that we had to go and we had to crush ISIS because of how Obama had let them fester. We had to put the Iranians in check again because of how Obama had not just let them fester, but was also sending them pallets of cash. But we needed to start getting the heck out of the Middle East because – I mean, Trump called it when he was a candidate. He said, like, these wars have been stupid and they've gotten us nothing. And, 
you know, because Trump was a direct guy that pissed a lot of people off. But speaking from firsthand personal experience, I was like, yeah, he's he is 100 percent right. Bush screwed this thing up six ways to Sunday. Obama said he was going to do the exact opposite of what he ended up doing, which was pretty much having a foreign policy that was very similar to George Bush's, despite their very different rhetoric. And so when Trump came in and said all that, I, I became a pretty early Trump supporter, uh, mostly because of that. Some other things, too. But um at, you know, after my late wife was killed, really because of the, the bureaucratic state, the, the deep state, the national security blob, whatever you want to call them, disobeying the orders of a duly elected president. <clears throat> I was pretty furious. Um, but I realized that, hey, I, I have a family to take care of, I have two young kids. And I became a single father kind of overnight and realized, you know, I needed to stop getting shot at for a living. I was actually overseas, <laughs> not in Syria, but I was, I was in Africa when my late wife was killed, uh, doing, doing not the most dangerous things in the world, but also not the most safe things in the world. And so I, I, you know, kind of had this epiphany that I could have made my kids an orphan that day. And so as I was coming back to the States, I was like, I'm just going to retire. I'm going to resign from government service and go back to, to where I'm from the Northwest and focus on my kids. I had a chance to meet Trump real briefly at Dover. And I was, you know, one week away from, you know, throwing in my papers at the agency and stepping away. And I you know, just lost my wife. And so I was like, Hey, if I get a chance to tell Trump, give him a piece of my mind, I, I'm going to tell him that, Hey, he's getting it right, but he's getting undermined, undermined Cause you know, I had seen from the inside from the DOD and the Intel community. And so I told him that when I got a chance to meet him and I thought it was like my cash out moment. I thought nothing else would come of it. I'd, I'd never talk to the man again, but he's an unconventional guy. And so he was like, Hey, I want to hear more of what this guy who has a frontline perspective has to say. Uh, so kind of became a unofficial advisor to the Trump administration and wrote some white papers on Middle East and then uh, got brought in to be part of the second uh, part of the Trump campaign in 2020. So it was part of Veterans for Trump, Military Families for Trump, did some some surrogate events here and there and then was offered a job in the second Trump administration. So I was geared up, ready to go back um, once we <laughs> once we won the election. Um, but unfortunately, you know, that didn't go the way we wanted it to. I believe there was widespread fraud. and I believe that we can prove it. We've just lacked a venue to do so. Um, also, as I was coming back here to the Northwest, you know, I grew up in Portland um, and the Portland, Oregon that I left in 1998, it changed quite a bit. Uh, I learned my right. parents are still there. And I, literally, as I'm getting back, you know, COVID hits. Uh, the, drac the draconian uh, lockdowns destroy the economy, destroy lives. And then we have the riots and, and watching Portland and Seattle and all these towns that I, I, I really grew up in just turn immediately. I, you know, I, I felt that we were on the cusp of losing our country. The way that the, the, the political violence was weaponized was like nothing I'd seen before in America, but it was very familiar to me. It was the exact same unchecked violence being used, you know, uh, for political means by terrorist groups all over the world. It was the same feeling that unchecked violence has a feeling to it that luckily we're not familiar with here in America. But if you go to truly chaotic places, um, you, you can feel it. You can feel it. There's like a survival instinct that humans have, or you can feel that. And, and I felt that on the streets of Portland. And I was like, man, this is not like politics business as usual anymore, where the Democrats and the Republicans have like policy differences that they argue about. But at the end of the day, we all want what's best for our kids. Like we're at a whole different level right now that I, yeah. that I, don't think I was aware of previously. It used to be a lot more civilized where we could actually yeah. talk and have a conversation and actually sure. agree to disagree and things like that. And now it seems yeah. like if you're one side or the other, and the weird <clears throat> thing is if you're on, I, I, I'm a Trump guy. Yeah. I like to see the fact he went in there and he tried to get things done. And the thing is, Jesus Christ, if he actually had people on his side, more people like he didn't have to battle this whole swamp. He had to swim through 
maybe yeah. it's a good thing. Maybe it's a good thing that he that he you know that Biden you know got pallets of ballots for Biden you know to get him elected so he could actually set back for four years and realize who are the corrupt people out there because there's a ton of corrupt people out there. There's a ton of people that have just been riding this wave this whole time and never really. Um, Never been checked. Never, never been attaining to their constituents, the people they're yeah, actually man. supposed to represent. I mean, Nancy Pelosi is a great uh, topic of that. Eric Swalwell. I mean, Ilan Omar. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. the list goes on and on. Kevin McCarthy's been talking about a lot of these people. If he came into power, you know, it's it's like seriously, it's like these people are in power that have all sorts of influences, all sorts of unchecked balances, and it's like. Yeah. It's like, like, who are you representing? And and the thing is, I hear from somebody like you, you're not just representing your people. You're trying to represent your children. You want your children yeah. to, to grow up in a great country, something that's better than what you left them. That's exactly right. I mean, that's, that's the only reason I really decided to run. I mean, Jamie voted for impeachment and, and just seeing the totality of the situation, what, everything that happened in 2020. Um, and now we are going to lose the president because of a rigged election. And there were so few Republicans that were standing up for Trump. And then the incident, the riot on January 6th happens. And then there's this whole narrative that anybody who questions the election, they're domestic terrorists. And I, I was like, man, we are, we're in a bad way. And I can sit here and I can complain about it on, on the internet and yell at my TV. But then I'm going to have to tell, explain to my kids in like 10, 15 years, like what, you know, what I was doing when the country was going to hell, you know, I, I'll have to explain to them like, well, you know, I was kind of busy and I had a job or Joe, whatever. Joe, so, you're, you're a father, Joe, right? How yeah, old are your yeah. children? So they're four and six. They were really young when they, when they lost their mother, they were so, one and three. So, so, so the, the reason I asked this is that, uh, if you believe in a certain ideology, ideology, you could be determined a domestic terrorist, but really what scares me and I don't have children, but I have a lot of friends and I let, have a lot of family that have kids, and they're in schools, and their kids are in schools, and they're scared oh, yeah. because the whole thing about this COVID thing is that when all the remote learning went back home, all the parents really got That's to right. sit and That's right. watch and be like, "What are you teaching my kids?" Like I thought <laughs> wait, you were supposed to this? teach them like reading math and like you know, what are you teaching them? And hating America. I yeah, mean, I remember as a child, the first. First class of every school, every day of school, you just stand up, do the Pledge of Allegiance. It was just what it was, and you just do it. Not a big deal, but the older I got in life, I was like, that meant such a big deal to me. I pledge allegiance to the flag, United States yeah, of America. I mean, yeah. it's a simple thing. You do it for 20 seconds. That's yeah. it. That's it. And it, people, people yeah. do not love this country anymore. It's like, well, if you don't love the country, what other country do you want to go to? Right. And then what are we even doing here and what do we have in common? And, you know, are we just is this just a, a, an, an open air bazaar that exists for commerce or, or is this like an actual sovereign nation where we have a common culture and a common history and borders that we fight for? Like <laughs> that's I mean, that, that's what's at stake right now. I mean, that's a That's a huge thing. I, I think a great point you made earlier was, hey, maybe it is a good thing. Um, as bad as that sounds, that 2020 went the way that it did. And, and, and I'm still optimistic. I think that. In the long run, if we keep pushing hard and, and the, this great awakening keeps happening, parents realize after getting to tune into a couple of Zoom, Zoom lessons with their kids that things aren't the way they thought. If we continue to press hard, I think we're going to be able to look back and say that 
what happened in 2020 was actually a good thing because it woke people up. We, 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 we've had conservatives for like way too long who have just said, Hey, I'm going to focus on my jobs and my family. And that's important and, and go to church. And that's important too. Um, but they haven't been politically active. And then Trump came along. I think a lot of folks were beaten down in the Obama era and Trump came along. And I think because he was so strong and so popular, I think a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of conservatives, they thought that Trump was going to fix everything. And we really didn't need to do anything. But I think what we learned in the Trump era was that, the Republican Party will stab us in the back really, really fast. We have to have America first people. Um, and Trump can't do it all on its own. We have to start building from the community, from the grassroots level on up so that this is this truly is a movement and not just about one guy, one one man in the arena taking hits on, on, on every end. Because eventually he can only take hits for too long before they rig an election and then, then he's then he's gotta go, you know, and that's all we have. So, so I, I think in the long run we just gotta keep pushing hard. So let's so, so yeah, I think, you know, even though we all know what happened in the election, I I I thought it was gonna be a landslide. the whole whole so America's on fire, duh, what are you gonna do? let's right. more, more law and order, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? It didn't go our way uh, for what what reason or another, fraud, yeah. what have you. But um, you know, like basically, uh, we, it gives us a chance to mobilize. It, it gives us a chance to meet people like you. You know, and it gives a chance for these new Republicans to come out and shine. And, and your your opponent is uh, I didn't even want to say her name. She voted for the impeachment of uh, Donald Trump. She's a Republican mm -hmm. and is a, a classic rhino, Republican yeah. in name only. Classic. She's a Republican. She is, yeah. Yeah. She, uh, she, it's funny because she, she, before the impeachment of Trump, she was so low profile that it was easy to miss unless you're paying attention, like paying really close attention. Her voting record is worse than Liz Cheney. And obviously none of us are Liz Cheney fans. She's Jeez. horrible. But, but I mean, I'll say her name because I say it all the time, Jamie Herrera Butler. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, and you'll see her, I mean, she's got millions of dollars. So she's going to start flooding the, the airwaves and she's going to start flooding, you know, mail outs and all that type of stuff and, and, and signs. So people need to know her name that when she has an R by her name, she is a absolute traitor to the to not just the republican party but really to everything that you know is going to defend a, defend the, our way of life so i mean her her voting record you can go through it i mean she voted to stop construction of the southern border wall she's pro obamacare she voted to you know leave our troops deployed in the middle east um she voted against trump being able to deploy the national guard to quell the violence from antifa and blm and now she's attempting to run on this this pro law and order uh, stance which is just ridiculous she's just counting on people not paying attention but i think i think those days are over i think people are are getting so much more aware because again they they saw that hey trump got taken away from us and so we actually all have to start putting our shoulders to the wheel and and getting engaged at some level talking talking about um the border wall like, yeah. remember when Trump wanted to throw that up? He's like, yeah, you know, eventually, eventually <clears throat> Mexico, would, Mexico would pay, pay for it because of tariffs. Mexico bottom line, pay for it. bottom line, it will. Yeah. Bottom line, done deal. No deal. He's a businessman. He's thinking long term. He doesn't think, you know, and they're like, well, where's the money going to come from? Where's the money going to come from? And they wouldn't give him any money. And then all of a sudden they have like trillions of dollars to give to Biden for <laughs> stuff that's yeah. never going to happen. It's like exactly. the last act of desperation for Democrats is that they know they cannot win over the merits, so they will continue on demonizing people for being racist, bigots, homophobes. If, if, you know, if you don't want people coming into the country, oh, this and that, it's like, why are everybody coming to our country? It's like, if right. we're racist, if we're bigots, if we're, if we're all these bad things, why are people flooding here? 
you know, yeah, the, which they're flooding. And then the other thing is like, why are the Democrats trying to turn our country into a socialist country? It's like, come hey, on. Hey, Joe, you've been yeah. all around the world. Name a country you don't want to be in. Oh, man. Uh, lots of countries I don't want to be in. There's only, there's only one country I want to be in, actually, and that's America. Like, I've been, I, yeah, I've been all over the world. And I can tell America you, like, first. Most parts of the Middle East, pretty horrible. I mean, I've even been to like, there's parts of Europe that are nice, but when you get down to the nitty gritty of like how free truly are those people, and I know a lot of Americans are like, oh, we're not free people. And I, I understand that argument to a certain extent um, with like social media and then the direction we're heading. But when you look at like our basic individual liberties that we have here, our, our First Amendment and our Second Amendment, especially. Yeah. You know, and, and we as long as we can continue to teach our kids the true history of our country, like those are rights given by God, not by government. And that's something there's no other government out there that's like that, that 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 uh, basically tells their people that you are, you know, unique creatures that are endowed by your creator. Look, and the government, the government didn't give you a damn thing, which is, you, the way you, it's supposed you, to you be. know, with you talking about like what other country would you want to be? And you're like, no, here. This is it. Yeah. This is as good as it <laughs> look gets. At, look at and, Australia. And, and, it's, and it's the exact same yeah. way for me because a buddy of mine, I mean, Brett asked me this two weeks ago, and I sat there and I thought about it for a while, and I'm like, well, I can't really go here or there. I mean, the best option we have is here. It's home. Yeah. It's home. And it's like if you have a home, you if you have a home, if you have parents, if you have family, what do you do? You take care of parents. You take care of family. You, you, you be what you should be. You should be a provider. You should – just take care of family and stuff. And I mean, the crime's gone out of control. DAs are not, I mean, the police are doing their jobs, but the DAs aren't prosecuting anybody and they're just letting them go out and they do the same thing. It's like, you're almost allowing crime just to thrive because you don't yeah. want, I mean, I, I, I'm more pissed off for the DAs letting a lot of these criminals go rather than actually Give them a little time. Let them sit in jail a little bit. Think about it rather than set them out. And like in Co what, Chicago, they got like a yeah. hundred and some people out there and they already they're out on probation for com for possibly committing a murder. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the amount of decriminalization that's gone on in Washington state and the restrictions that are on police officers right now, and then you look at the amount of prosecutions that came out of the summer of 2020, just here, just here in the Northwest, I mean, the, the Portland DA for burning down that entire city, which has had catastrophic effects on the rest of the district, that's directly affected Clark County, Vancouver, Battleground, where I live. Um, no one's been prosecuted. Very few people have been prosecuted for that. I mean, I'm sure there's one or two guys here and there. But we've just let this go rampant. And, and really, I mean, at some point you have to as, as much as we all like to laugh at how like little sense the Democrats make um, that you have to start seeing patterns here. I mean, they want anarcho tyranny. They want the most draconian rules for people who are willing to follow them and who actually contribute to society. They, they'll tell you you can't go to business. You can't go to, go to church because of some pandemic that's been hanging around for two years and they'll mandate a vaccine for you. However, if you are a criminal who's willing to burn down cities at a moment's notice, like there's no, there's no rules for you whatsoever. Well, like, you can do you're that, mostly, that. You're mostly here. peaceful protester. Right. You're mostly peaceful. <laughs> people, people run cover for you. They will, the, the, a sitting now, a sitting Senator, now vice president will run your bail fund for you. Um, I mean, it's just so up in our face right now, what they want. They want this chaotic crime driven system so that people are scared, weak and hanging out in their homes, waiting for the next stimulus check and waiting for the government to tell them exactly what to well, do. They the, don't want you out there living as an independent, uh, free American. They do not want you to be independent. They do not want you to nope. think for yourself. They nope. do not want you to have a 
different. I mean, seriously, even if you cough when they don't cough or you sneeze and they don't. I mean, it's seriously, it's like, no, I yeah, you, have to, you have to go quarantine if you do that. Oh, my God. <laughs> right. And the health I department mean, will come get you. Yeah, it's, right, I mean, you can't exactly. make this stuff up. Exactly yeah. what exactly what we were there to protest, and you know what? I think, like you said, we 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 did we did something. I mean, they at the very minimum took off that subject off their agenda that day to to not rile us up anymore. And That's you, right. And you know what? You know what? I don't know if you um, saw. I tried to send it to you on Getter, but uh, Q13 uh, rant or not? It's not Q13. It's Fox 13. Uh, allegedly, our uh, conservative voice around here now, but. Um, Essentially, they said that uh, we were spreading misinformation. I'm like, okay, like when look up these wax, like they're that's you're calling, yeah, you're calling our own laws uh, misinformation. Like there it is, right there. Yep, I mean the Seattle Times did the same thing. They they ran a great. It was actually a good article, I think. I mean they they say we're spreading disinformation, and they tried. I felt like they tried so hard to make us seem ridiculous that it almost really, if somebody was to look at it objectively, it, it showed what they were doing. I mean, like you can't, like you said, you can't hide from the wax. The wax are there. Like if you if you guys are willing to shred the wax, then sure we can stop. We'll we'll stop talking about it. Or if you stop talking about vaccinating our children. You know, uh, then sure. But yeah, they, that, that's the game right now. It, it's almost when they say disinformation, that's basically regime code for you're, you're doing misspeak. You're, you're not saying the things that they want you to say. So they're, they're not even going to discuss the merits of what you're saying. They're just going to automatically say, you know, disinformation is the new buzzword because Biden's trying to get the social media companies to crack down on disinformation. And that's that's helping the social media companies, you know, maybe like hide a little bit of their ties to the government. So it's you know, it's all it's all very much a regime of control because that's what this whole thing is. Thing. I mean, some people say socialism and Marxism and all that. I. You know, yeah, I think there's some ideology there, but really it's authoritarianism. They want full control of our lives. So like social media, like um, as a congressman, uh, do you think that they have become public utilities? I do 100%, man. I, uh, you know, there's all kinds of interesting discussions about Section 230 reform and, and then the nuances and differences between, you know, are you a publisher and all, and all that type of stuff. And, and I think those are relatively interesting, but I kind of feel like we've been messing around now with social media. We've had all these stupid hearings where you call Zuckerberg to the carpet and, and nothing's happened and they've only gained more control. And I mean, this last presidential election where you had the, the Hunter Biden laptop, which, you know, we had renowned <laughs> that told us like that was they told us they accused us of basically being Russian spies. They told men Russia planted that. That's that's Russian disinformation. And then they wouldn't even let Americans make their own decision about it. They, they, they disappeared that from the Internet. Could you, you know? imagine and, if that was Donald Trump's son? Oh, man. Yeah, I know. I, know. I mean, and seriously, I, the, 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 the hypocrisy is amazing. It is amazing. Oh, yeah. Every single thing. Donald Trump would like literally just say something out of context and they would and and, and Biden's up there like I used to drive 18 wheelers and I, I, I got arrested with Nelson Mandela. It's like, what the f where are people fact checking the Pinocchios on this guy? Yeah, no, I mean, it's so I mean, I think at this point, like, it's so it's designed to be blatant just to piss you off and just to demoralize you to absolutely. let you know. Yeah, absolutely. We, we will. If Joe Biden says it, we will. Um, publish a hundred Snopes articles and fact checks that says this is accurate. Like we don't, we don't care what, we don't care what it is just as long as you know that we're in charge and you're not. <laughs> I, 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 th I think if anything is that for a long time, like for me, I, um, first time I ever voted, first time I ever voted was the first time Donald Trump ran for office. That was the first year I ever voted. And I'm 45 now. 
That was the first time I ever voted because honestly, the government never really interfered in my life. Never it, ever. It did, but it no, did, no, but no. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, I work. Every, I I work every day. I do this. I do that. I pay my taxes. I do my own health care. I I just I I get a job, go to work. And the thing right. is, it's like I I remembered Trump saying back in the day. They're like, hey, you know, because everybody. He was a Democrat love hound. Everybody loved him. I mean, Jay Z wrote songs about him, and yeah. you know, they're like, you know, and they're like, are you ever going to run for? office and he goes no i'm not gonna run for office and let shit really hits the fan shit finally hit the fan he ran for office and what did they do they called him the shit i mean it's like no he's calling everybody out he's calling everybody out because he doesn't he doesn't need the money he didn't he's not in politics for his career He's there to pay back for the country. He's, he's actually a very compassionate man. He's very and, compassionate. And uh, I, I, Joe's, uh, I don't know if you would mind sharing the story, but I, I, I heard when yeah. your wife, you, know, they, you found out about your wife, he, he stood next to you the whole time. Can you tell us yeah, about no, that? Yeah, yeah, Trump is, uh, I mean, obviously, we, we know he gets painted as like some sort of a, a boogeyman. Um, and he's very much not actually kind of like what you see is, is, is really what you get. There's definitely a softer side to him as well. So after my wife was killed, the first time I got a chance to meet him was at Dover. My, my wife was killed with three other Americans. So there's four families there, you know, worst day of all of our lives, worst week of all of our lives waiting to receive the remains of our loved ones. And, you know, uh, one of, you know, some presidential staffer in a seat comes by and says, Hey, president Trump would, is happy to meet with any of the families, of the fallen, if if you would like, and I I think all of us took them took them up on that, um, and so I got taken into like a private room, and I figured there'd be a full entourage of people there because I you know I'd been around generals and senators and stuff before in the military, and there's usually an entourage, and you're usually screened um, to make sure you're not going to say anything crazy, and <clears throat> but sure enough, like I, I'm waiting in that room alone, and like two minutes later, in walks Donald Trump, like with nobody, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And he, and he, he's an incredibly compassionate guy. He was just like, Hey, I'm really sorry. He had read about my wife, you know, he knew her name, knew she was from New York. Um, you know, and, and just was a, was a guy there grieving. And I, you know, like I, I told you guys, I'd been at war a bunch before that. And so I've seen, um, I've seen senior leaders deal with combat losses in like a bunch of different ways, but there's generally two kind of forms that, that, that takes there's, there's senior leaders that, and this necessarily isn't their fault. This is like a survival mechanism thing. Cause it's hard being a combat leader and it's hard losing people. I've done it before. Um, you kind of get, you kind of get numb to it. Um, especially if you're a professional warrior in the latter stages of, of the war on terror and it can be a very mechanical process. And, and, and that kind of leads to, commanders and leaders really only caring that they lost someone on their watch and how is this going to reflect on them and the overall mission it's a very callous calculation um and that yeah. that's the way a lot of people go believe it or not like a lot of senior leaders that's the way they go they just and assume I think a lot there's of numbers human nature yeah they, 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 they look at numbers they rather to, than yeah. personal like what what did you, what how is your family doing type of thing like exactly. trump wanted yeah. to know you know exactly yeah and then with and then there's other leaders that i can tell they for whatever reason and it's probably just how they're wired they they keep that emotional attachment and it weighs on them um and they don't like it and it and it, and it uh, and it's hard for them but they keep it together because they're leaders and, and that's what i saw with president trump and you usually don't see that with people that are that senior you know and like i said it's probably a survival mechanism with most senior guys um i don't but, know if the, i don't know if this is true but uh brett told me that 
after you talked to Trump, he looked at you and he's like, what would you have done? Like he asked, yeah, no, he, like what in would Syria. you have done? You you have the expertise. What would you have done? I mean, I'm not yeah. gonna I'm not gonna just here be here and console you and uh, I'm sorry for you and stuff. He's like, what would you have seen done? What what do you want to see done now? Like, yeah, like, yeah, we, like, we had, yeah, we had we had a good discussion that day, and then um, later on, especially with with some of his advisors too, as we were starting to like discuss real heavy policy things. But yeah, I told him I was like, hey, you're you're getting this whole war on terror thing right. And I appreciate what you're doing. And most guys, most guys like me that have been fighting for this long, we feel this way. Not all of us, but, but, but most of us do. And we appreciate what you're doing. You know, and he, he kind of asked me, he was like, what do you, what do you think? And I was like, Hey, you're, we need to get the hell out of these places. Like it's not, there's, there's never going to be a good time to get out. The, the generals are always going to tell you that we need to be here for another freaking decade or just 18 more months or we'll win the whole thing. Like that, that's always going to be the standard. Pitch it's it's where you. everybody's power is. It's where everybody's yeah, no. power is, is they have power if they have control. Dr. Fauci right now. I mean, Jesus Christ, he won't relinquish his power. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And that's what this whole Eric Swalwell, Ilan Omar, uh, yeah. freaking everybody, uh, uh, you know the, the 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 guy that's been peddling um, Trump's fake dossier forever. Yeah, I no, mean, that's right, Joe. I got a Joe. I got a question for you. Sure. Um, when you're elected, uh, do you have any plans to join? Or I don't know what the process is to join like uh, committees. Like I think you'd be a shoe in for like intelligence committees or something like that. Do you have any aspirations to do stuff like that in Congress? Yeah, I have, I have my own wish list, man. I, I would love to be on the Intelligence Oversight Committee. I think oversight is something that we've that Congress has. It's one of the big things that Congress can actually do. I mean, because Congress is kind of just like a cog in the machine. Um, yeah, they, they, they pass laws. The laws got to get signed by the president. It's a slow process. That's good. However, oversight, man, is something that like you don't see a lot of uh, a lot of action coming out of oversight committees. But if you look back through our history, like a lot of times where our government's really overstepped the bounds, a good oversight committee has helped fix that. Like the church committees after all, all the infringements on civil liberties that like the FBI and the intelligence community were doing during the civil rights movement, that type of stuff. Big things can happen. And I think we're at a point in our history where we have our institutions have ran so far out of control, whether it's the elections, whether it's the military industrial, the national security state. Nate, like for me and my challenge, I tell people, I'm like, tell me an institution right now that you trust. Like there, there isn't one. And so like the question is, are we going to continue to give these institutions power or are we going to let the whole thing collapse? I think the middle ground is we have to reform these institutions and we have to have rigorous oversight. So I'd love to be on Intel oversight committee. I'd love to be on the armed services committee. Um, I would also really like to be on the natural resources committee. And that's, that's near and dear to the, the district here. I, I think our timber industry is basically the equivalent of when people talk about like manufacturing and the way that's all been shipped overseas. I talk about it a lot too, because I think it's really important, but the natural resources component is huge. Like our, our timber industry here in the Pacific Northwest yes. has been dead since the 1980s. And that's come at a cost, right? Because that, that used to employ so many primarily young men between the actual logging and then the sawmills. So natural resources and natural resources also touch, you know, rare earth minerals. It touches oil and gas. Everything we need to really bring our economy home is, is encapsulated in some of those committees. Now, the problem is <laughs> I am uh, primary and incumbent. So if I pull this off, I'm, unless we drastically change the face of the Republican Party, I'm probably not going to be very popular. And, and committees come down to a lot of times how popular you are with leadership. And a lot of that is tied up in how much fundraising you're doing specifically for 
leadership. So, but I do think there's a new template out there when they kicked Marjorie Taylor Greene off all of her committees and she started showing up based, they kicked her off committees, but as a congressman, you can go sit in on committees. You don't get to vote, but you can call for roll call votes. You can sit there in the committees and then you can use the power of social media and say, hey, I sat in on the House Armed Services Committee and here's what they're discussing today and, and really do exactly what we just did on Wednesday, draw the public's attention and then get people focused on holding the government accountable. So that's whether I get put on good committees or not, um, that's kind of like what I plan on doing my own version of oversight. I, right on. Hey, um, I speaking of like, get just, okay. On a local level. And I, I got to talk to you for, I hung out with you for all day on what was that Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> I didn't know this about you, but Ozzy told me that you guys both, uh, are into Brazilian jujitsu. And I know we're going a little sideways here, but oh, yeah, yeah. I want to tell you something. Uh, I've been uh, a practitioner for over a decade, and nice. the gym that I train at. What's your me, belt? Me? What's your belt? I've been a purple belt for 10 years, you know. <laughs> but your gym, they kicked you out. Like, my, my gym uh, is in Seattle, okay? And uh, King County has these in crazy. Yeah, uh, mandates about gyms and public spaces, restaurants, as uh, movie theaters. Well, I I go I show up to I had an injury and I was out for a couple months and I I knew that there was you know come to the gym with a mask you know which is weird wrestling, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know and <laughs> and I'm wearing the mask and it's falling off and I'm still sweating in the other dude's face and you know like <laughs> I'm like I'm like are we really doing anything? I said I said I. My my own personal view is it's natural immunity. I feel it's like the chicken pox. We should honestly be giving it to each other, not weakening our immune systems and allowing these variants to happen. But uh, I can't go to my gym anymore, Joe. Uh, my coach, my brother, my my he's a three time world champion. Monday Owls like tells me he goes, You're out. holds up his hand like to see your ID. Do you got your card? And I no. and I said what. And I said, I said, what does that mean? Does that mean I'm done? And he just kind of looked at me really sad because we've known each other a long time. He goes, I'm sorry, brother. And then I, I talked to him afterwards. I was really upset. I left steaming, obviously, right? And um, I, I said, I deserve at least a phone call. I left a voicemail because we were gonna, we were ready to roll right then. And I was like, fuck. And uh, he tells me about you know how. There are fines for not keeping records of your students and uh, their COVID records. Um, you know, he tried to tell, he tried to encourage me to get vaccinated, which I wasn't having because I'm. You couldn't offer me ten million dollars. I won't take that thing. Um, mm -hmm. I, I just Dr. Malone's uh, 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 interview with Rogan just amplified that for me. And sure. um, when you take away, you know, like. For a gym, a lot of people, that is a a, a, a place of serenity. A, 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 I don't want to say safe place because it's not a, a jujitsu gym is Watch safe, but it's not always break. that safe. They're trying to choke you. Sure. you know? <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, to take someone's, you know, their, their passion away from them. Because, Your church. Yeah, they took my church away from me, man. It's like I pay dues there when I don't even go. You know what I'm saying? It's that important yeah. to me. And the, and the government is... 
shove the wedge between me and my my, my love. Yeah. So. And that's definitely uh, by design, man. I, that that sucks that your your gym went that route. Luckily, down down here, if you're ever down in Battleground, man, let me know or swing by Battleground Martial Arts. The the Redman Brothers who run that place got pretty belligerent with the state, and like all good bullies, the state uh, backed down when they were flexed on. So. He uh, he created a, a real big community of like resistance, like minded people have done events there. Um, I couldn't imagine my kids go there for, for wrestling now that I'm I'm not, I'm not rolling as much as I used to because I'm, <laughs> I'm doing this. You're campaigning, uh, buddy. You got to. <laughs> yeah, got to campaign. But yeah, but that's the thing. Like and that's what they're trying to do. And, and just breaking up a community like a gym, like you said, it's powerful, man. It hurts. It hurts us. But like it helps the. It, it helps the regime. I hate to put it in like hyperbolic in terms, but it helps them because they don't want they don't want strong, physically fit people hanging out amongst each other. I mean, yeah, I know. That's, dude, that's dangerous. And man. they've been trying to eliminate men for a long time. They've been. Oh, yeah. They've and been the, covering her totally. face so we can't talk anymore. Yeah, they don't want they, Yeah. You physically fit men there teaching each other how to fight. Like that's the last. If I'm trying to control oh. the population, like that goes first. Like, I don't want those guys. Yeah. Those, those dudes I, need to be separated you're not supposed to even call the cops anymore you're supposed to call like social workers <laughs> like somebody's yeah, about yeah. to stab me can i get somebody to talk to him <laughs> it's like yeah, no and I the need... police really yeah and they the, can't and do Washington anything i work yeah. retail that's a weird thing i work retail in washington and i see a lot of cops a lot of a lot of police come through my store and the thing is is that it's amazing they're like yeah we wish we could do more but we can't our hands are tied and the thing is, it's like they're being demonized when it shouldn't be them being demonized. It should be the DAs letting these assholes let out yeah. all the time, not even prosecuted. You can break into some old lady's house and threaten her and choke her and stuff, but uh, yeah, probably get out in 24 hours. I mean, seriously, I mean, it's I, it's mm -hmm. it's going to go back to the old West because so many people have decided, hey, the police force said, hey, we can't protect you anymore. So we, we as individual citizens, have gone out, got our concealed carry, have our guns. We don't really want to use them. I don't want to shoot anybody. But I have to be ready in case somebody attacks me or my family. Yeah. It's like, And it's like, that's not what it used to be. I remember actually being able to walk down to the corner store or go to my grandma's house that lived six blocks away, and it's like, what happened the old the the, the 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 just the original days? It's like I don't want to live in a criminal infested environment. I want to yeah. be able to I want to be able to trust people. Just trust, distrust. I don't know you. I don't know you know whoever. But I when I'm driving down the road, I'm just assuming you're not going to swerve into my lane and crash my car, you know. But I mean, walking down the corner store, I don't assume somebody's going to rob me or stab me. It's 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 the whole the whole security of of society has gone downhill. Nobody nobody really feels that secure anymore. They they actually walk out to their car after work and they're just like they look another once or twice to their left and right. It's like anybody anybody gonna attack me? And they jet to their car. It's like society's become so scary now. And we're just kind of living with it. And we think this is what's like normal. Listen, people don't even make eye contact, let alone speak up for themselves. Oh, me and you do. Because I mean, we technology, know I think, is 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 making a huge wedge in our skills. So, like, you know, like yeah, you're not kidding. 
We had what, how many people showed up to the protest that you organized? About what? Two hundred, two hundred fifty or so. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, imagine if it was you know back in the days in the the eighties and nineties when you you you. Someone said, be there. You were just there. There was no texting and I'm going to be late and I'm not going to show up. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, you were I'd just there. I don't even do that. Yeah. <clears throat> no, I think we're making a really weird social media has made everybody kind of weird, um, especially if you, you know, but I think there was a balance there when we were still getting out. But COVID has just accelerated it to such a to such an extent now that they're doing everything they can to stop people from gathering and becoming normal, taking kids out of schools. I think like, I think we've just started to scratch the surface of how absolutely weird we're going to make. And I say weird is like the nicest way I can put it, how weird we're going to make this generation of kids. Like my son, I got him in private schools right now. They don't wear masks, Thank but God. he's literally, and I, I've had to move him. I've had to move schools because I've had different private schools bend mm -hmm. the knee. Sure. My, my six-year-old, he hasn't had, he he started pre-K under, under 2020, under COVID, now kindergarten. And we haven't had a year that hasn't been disrupted um, because of this. And I'm lucky enough, like, you know, thank God I, I have the financial resources that I can, I can move them to a private school. But the kids that are in public schools right now that had the whole year plus where they didn't get to go see their kids, their, their friends or other kids or interact with teachers or anybody else outside their family. And then they got jammed back into school with masks forced onto their faces, you know, social distancing, all that crap. Like we Critical were putting race theory. so much. And then, yeah, not to mention the indoctrination, uh. but just like what we're going to do to their basic social skills. Like these kids are going to be freaking weird. It's going to be our fault. Like do, it's, do, everybody's an adult right now. Don't you remember going to school and school was kind of fun when we were younger. Like when we were younger, it's like, Oh, you got recess. Okay. You got to do this and that. You got to, yeah, you got to learn yeah. a little math, but, but yeah. now it's like, God, I mean, you, you're a white kid and they're like, Oh, you're privileged. And you're like, uh, I, I I don't have, learn to I, hate I, yourself. <laughs> no, it's like they tell a right. white kid he's privileged, and it's like uh, I don't have parents. I'm a I'm adopted. You know? Right. Or, right. Yeah, you know, exactly. it's like you don't know my situation. How do you even know that? Like, no, yeah. And I don't know why people. I it's it, the older I get, it seems like the younger generation gets stupider. It's like it's like we already went through this. Like my parents went through this years ago and they told me all about their experience they told me about racial injustice and this and that and I don't I don't I don't think we have any of that anymore I think we just have a lot of people that have excuses like yeah. if you're born in America or if you actually even can jump over American on Biden's pass and he's gonna let you in because 100 what 1.75 million are coming over this year whatever it is it's like huge yeah, we, we really have no idea but yeah no and and then on top of that on top of that um, is, is, I think it's a fact now that MS 13 has, con uh, uh, um, different agencies or, or organizations in 40 of the, of, of the States, 40 of the States, sure, MS 13. Yeah. So, yep. so you're bringing a lot of this stuff in. What do you think is going to happen? Everything's going to go into chaos. We don't yep. want chaos. We, I, I don't know about anybody else. I, I would like to go to work. Go to Safeway, go to Costco, go go to Petco, do my deal, go home. No, I don't want I don't I don't want anybody carjacking my car. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think that's why I think that's why so many people are having a hard time kind of adjusting like their 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 mental map of perceiving what's going on. Cause I think they're using they're using old tools to do that. I mean, because if you're an American, you're very blessed and you're lucky to be here. Very blessed. You, you you've never had to really 
have these big questions like, is society going to crumble? Can I walk you, down the street? You like, are the, you are too. the person that's seen other societies crumble. You've been over yes. there and you fought for other people for their fucking liberties, right. for their protection, right. for their freedom. And, yeah, everything- and, and, and I think a lot of people in America are fucking spoiled. They are fucking spoiled. They've never gone to Europe. They've never gone to Australia. They don't know what's going on anywhere. Yeah. I mean, if you, it's funny because everything that you, you just talked about, like, Hey, I, I want to be able to just go to the store. Uh, this, this neighborhood I grew up in, uh, where my, you know, I used to go to my grandma's house and walk a couple blocks. I just want that back again. And the fact that we've lost that, I think is, is it's sad and scary, but it's also, these are the same things. I mean, I would have these discussions in, you know, a decade plus ago with Iraqis who were like, Hey, you know, I, I just want to be able to live in my own neighborhood and not think that someone's going to come assault me or kill me or that my government or some powerful militia is going to come kidnap me. And now like, we're not quite that bad, but we're getting really close. We're, the, the amount of acceleration we've had in the last two years between what the national security state's done, what anarcho tyranny has done to this to on the streets of our major cities. It's, it's brought a lot of really previously um, issues that we've never had to deal with before as an American. So as what's happening? What's yeah. happened is that you actually went to these different countries sent by your government to protect other citizens. And now, right. now you come back and you realize, hey, I need to protect my citizens. I need to protect yeah. my Americans. So you're doing basically what you did over there. You're doing it over here without a gun, but you're doing it with your mouth, your, yeah, your, your intelligence, your, 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 your influence. Your mind's the weapon, baby. We're lucky that they haven't taken away our system yet. I mean, I, I think if we keep going down this this road and we don't have more citizens stand up, that they will take away our system. Like everything they're doing right now, trying to federalize elections, again, the disinformation, trying to kick people off social media, trying to disqualify. I mean, Jay Inslee wants to disqualify anybody from running for office who questions the elections. Queen you know? Inslee? Queen yeah, Inslee? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, Inslee's saying that, like, hey, if you question the elections, then you can't run. So they're trying they're trying to get rid of our system. We're lucky that we can still fight through our system. And that's why I just think, like, these this 22 election is going to be key. 24 is going to be key. We're going to have to do a lot of really heavy lifting to, to maintain our system. Don't let so, go of your freedom of speech. Right. So speaking, Man. speaking of freedom of speech, like the media is not going to, you know, tell you stories like this. Like, you know, they're not going to let Joe tell his voice. So like, you know, Joe, like if you were to like maybe give a couple recommendations of like uh, media you follow, you've mentioned Steve Bannon's podcast. I've just, you know, the war room, uh, I've seen it on Getter uh, since I've been on it. I'm a big fan. I, when you were on, I was like, Oh my God, this guy's really moving and shaking. So like we got to get him on totally corrupt. I mean, is there any other uh, things that you can recommend for our listeners? We like to share, you know, other podcasts when I mean, we're not the only game in town. I mean, I think we should have uh, multiple source sources. Yeah, I mean, Bannon's huge, obviously. I think Bannon's played that he does three hours a day, and so a lot of it's a, a lot of deep dive. He's been he's been nice enough to let me on there quite a bit, um, especially now that he knows we're we're out there getting after it. Um, another good one is Jack Posobiec. He does like these twenty minute real quick briefs every day. Um, I'm sure guys know who Jack Posobiec is. Yep, yep. Uh, he, he's a big one. Um, the Tim Pool podcast, I think, is huge too. Uh, didn't they just raid him FBI raid? Yeah. 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 He he does. He's, he's another guy who's a beast, man. His Tim cast daily, um, is big and he, he does just does hard news and analysis. And then he has Tim pool or yeah, Tim cast in real IRL in real life, 
where he brings in a guest. I've been on that show before. It was a good, good. a good deep dive. Um, but he does a good job. And Tim's not a they, he gets he gets billed as being like a, a right wing guy, but he's like a former I would say on the populist left type of guy. So he's a good realignment one. Yep. Um, breaking points with uh, Crystal Ball and uh, Sager. I can't say his last name. That one's pretty good too. I don't politically agree with really either one of them, but they're both very anti-establishment. Sager's supposed to be like a right-wing populist. Hey, he's kind of like a, I'd say a Diet Pepsi right-wing populist. Like he he won't ever talk bad about the election, which really frustrates me. Oh, you gotta uh, talk. But other, other than that, I do appreciate most of his insights, even though we don't agree. And then Sager is, she's left, but she's very anti-establishment left. So she'll go, she's like an old school Bernie bro, I would say. Those are- uh, those are most they, of your uh, podcasts, your 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 influences, or or your what you just listen to. It's what I listen to. Yeah, the daily events, that uh, human events daily of Jack Wasovic is a good I, like twenty. I There's hear, a bunch of. I didn't hear CNN. Is that the reason why all the ratings are going <laughs> down, or is that you're not listening? Uh, I, yeah, oh my yeah, they've God. lost like ninety percent of their audience <laughs> in the past year. Oh man. Another real good one, this will be my, my, my last recommendation, is Moment of Truth by American Moment. So American Moment is American a Moment. New, newly established D.C. think tank nice. that is trying to bring in people like us, regular Americans, to come work in D.C. So the next time that we actually get a real president like President Trump, who's from the people, that there are there is an army of appointees ready to go and we don't have to rely on the same swampy characters and they do a great weekly podcast called moment of truth i've been, I've been on there you know so i'm plugging myself too um, yeah. but they have they, yeah. they have a lot of good personalities we'll listen to it <laughs> yeah well you know i mean i know you're a man of god you're a hero um you. you know uh you risk your life uh for our freedoms your wife made the ultimate sacrifice and i only just pray for your children that they will grow up to be respectful men like you and, you know, serve their country at one point, you know, either doing what you're doing now or through the military or something, because like, we need more people like you and we need your leadership. We need your attitude. Uh, it's called heart. You're really someone, I think, uh, Washington and the United States of America can get behind really. I mean, you know, you, you, you're starting a movement here in Washington. You're the only, uh, uh a Trump endorsed politician in this state that I'm aware of. Um, yeah. So right. I think that, um, you know, you're doing some great things. And, you know, in God's timing, I'm going to the um, Trump rally tomorrow uh, at in uh, Florence, Arizona. Yeah, uh, it's awesome. I'm leaving here at like five in the morning. So we're going to get this one up aired uh, today. And uh, if anybody wants to help follow you, where where, where do they do that? Yeah, best thing to do is just do uh, JoeKentForCongress.com. I got links to all my social media on there. Um, that's where people can make a donation. I'm running on off all, off of all small contributions, so five, ten, fifteen bucks really help. Um, if you go on the events tab there too, you can figure out where I'll be uh, having an in-person appearance next to next year. If you're in the third congressional district, I will be pretty much in every county in the district. Uh, every month at least once if not twice like clark county bigger ones were hitting more than once for in-person town hall where people can come interact with me ask questions can, that type of stuff can you say can you say the counties that you, you you'll be representing yeah so big one clark county we have lewis county cowitz county uh wakayakum pacific county uh and skamania county and then we have a little slice of thurston county on the west side that kind of goes up to Tenano and roy so we're one of two Red red districts in the whole uh, 
west coast that actually touches the ocean. So pretty pretty significant. There's one other one in California, and then obviously Alaska. But us touching the Pacific Ocean is pretty significant as a red county. So just to give people a frame of reference, uh, basically the biggest city is Vancouver, Washington. It's just north of yeah. Portland, Oregon. And yep. uh, Joe is going to be the voice for that area in U.S. Congress. I can, I, I'm going to put my stamp of approval on it, Joe. You're going to get it. Well, thanks, you guys. Already, you already have it. Yeah. You already have it. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you so much. You, 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 I would love to see more of guys like you just cloned. Just <laughs> can we get, spread can we out get through 10, the Americas? Joe, Joe, Joe no, Kansen, seriously. Just uh, people, or just a uh, frame of mind. Just like-mind people. Like, um, let people do their own thing. Let things happen. Listen, uh, we live in the greatest country of all time. Um, uh, we appreciate everybody listening to this podcast. We hope that you support Joe uh, online. Visit his website. You can follow him on Getter. Do you want to drop your Getter handle real quick? Sure. It's just all, all one word. Joe Kent, 16JAN19. So 16JAN. That's what my, my late wife we killed. So please follow Joe. Give him some support. Uh, we've got uh, we're amassing a, a, a pretty good following there. And if any everybody that hears this, please follow Joe. Uh, you I'll, you can I'll retweet this uh, or sorry, we're not tweeting anymore. Re, repost is the new term on Gitter. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll put this out there so that everybody can hear it. And I appreciate everybody sharing it, giving us a follow on Spotify. And uh, we just, God, God bless everybody. Joe, thank you so much for your time again. And uh, I hope you can come back on uh, soon. We're, we're, we're in your corner. We would like to offer any help to you. Uh, Ozzy can reach out to us anytime if we need help uh, to schedule another one or, 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 or promote you online. Whatever we got to do, we want to help. So, uh, yeah, no, I appreciate it, fellas. This was great. So I appreciate you guys coming out. And then uh, great, great being on the podcast. Thank you. Yes, thank you. All right, everybody. Thank you again. Bye-bye. All right, take care, guys. Thanks. Bye. Thanks.